make all kinds of connections from our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. It's time to consider the possibilities. Hi, good evening, and welcome to uh, Things Worth Considering. Uh, we're a weekly talk show trying to put some ideas out there to help you ponder them and that they might just make your life a little bit smoother, kinder, and gentler. Uh, I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and I'm here with my co-host, Alexia Georgiousis. Hello. Hello, Gord. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How Happy birthday. You? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm going to tell Thank everybody, you. and our guest, it's her birthday, too. Yes, I feel sure. like left out here. Can I have some cake, at least? Sure. <laughs> okay. I feel better Thank already. Thank you, um, Just so that you know, we are live at this moment, and uh, we invite you to give us a call if you'd like to chat with our guest, Kirsten, uh, or with uh, uh, Alexia or myself. Um, we're at one 346 9141. And that's a toll free number. Uh, 1-888-346-9141. Now, just before I introduce our guest, um, we're going to talk a little bit about trauma and there are a lot about trauma in the body. Uh, most people think that trauma um, that we've encountered throughout our life is stored in our brain. Somewhere in our memory banks, um, uh, we think it is stored, but it's actually being held in our bodies. Uh, and it holds on to the trauma long after the trauma has occurred. Um, do you ever notice your body? Do you ever feel like, you know, you kind of know what's going on in there? Uh, notice the aches and pains and stiffness, though? <clears throat> Those are not a normal part of aging, just so that I want to put that out there. Uh, it may be energy that's locked inside of your body that's clogging it up. Um, and our guest today is a specialist in this. Um her name is Kirsten Lyon, and she is a movement therapist. Uh, Kirsten's been working and teaching uh, within the Pilates and rehabilitation therapy industry for over 13 years. She's a highly skilled and trained, having worked in both physical therapy and rehabilitation extended healthcare clinics for eight years. Um, she is known for her relatable nature, which is very true. Uh, she has a great sense of humor, which I will attest to already, even though I just met her, uh, and, uh, performing very accurate assessments and exceptional client focused treatment plans. Um, she utilizes from the, the fields of Pilates, uh, the OOF, which I'm not familiar with, Franklin method, uh, movement for trauma, as well as traditional, uh, strength and conditioning exercises, client education, and client, something that's covered over, directed <laughs> uh, towards directed tissue release work in each session with a client. Uh, her goal is to restore movement um, efficiency and function while reducing pain and fear for people. Uh, she helps people understand their bodies and reconnect with themselves. That's so big. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal is always to make movement enjoyable Add some fun facts, demystify beliefs, and empower clients to work from a place of efficiency, experience freedom, and self-love. Wow, that's a lot to do. Is that in one it's session? It's a lot. <laughs> Is that in just we, do it, Lord, we do it, Lord. We do it. Kirsten, uh, welcome. Um, Thank you. Uh, Thanks I, for having me. You here? Oh, I'm thrilled to have you here. Um, so before I lose you in our discussion, 
you have to fill me in. There's a buzzword that goes around. It's called trauma-informed. Yeah. I think a lot of people want to know, what does that mean? Yeah, so it essentially means, you know, as someone who is working with people in like a, a health or wellness or, you know, rehab capacity, that you understand what kind of happens to people on a, on a physical level and on a psychological level and spiritual level, you know, when they've experienced traumatic stress. And traumatic stress is, um, you know, when the stress that you experience exceeds your own ability to cope. Um, and how does that kind of how does that change you? You know, when you when you've experienced that kind of extreme, um, you know, lived experience, how how can that change a person? And what should you know as a practitioner? Um, you know, you know, maybe you're some sort of manual therapist, like an RMT, and you're doing all the right things, but things are not getting better with somebody. Usually, mm-hmm. you need some more education on becoming trauma informed. That there's something maybe deeper going on there that needs to be sussed out a little bit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It just so, uh, um, and these words keep arriving. It's sort of like everything is evidence based. Uh, um, yeah, totally. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and evidence based, if you really understand the definition, uh, uh, you know, means that the the patient get get got to vote on whether they like the treatment or not. Yeah, totally. Uh, it's not just yeah. a study being done by researchers <laughs> with control groups and the usual. It's also like, so how'd you like it? You know? Yeah, <laughs> I love. I it. usually will also say, you know, trauma informed is like, um, it's not like you've just you know kind of read a couple of books. You know, you've also done some sort of like education with you know maybe psychotherapists or uh, I did a, a course in Toronto with a really wonderful um, practitioner named June Clapp, and she has a program called Movement for Trauma, and that really opened my eyes to a lot. Um, and so, you know, I call myself trauma-informed because I did, um, I've done her, you know, level one and level two trainings and um, I've done a lot of my own kind of self-work. And uh, and I think a really important part of being trauma-informed as a practitioner is like when you're working within your scope and when you're not and being able to refer out properly for people when um, mm-hmm. things come up that are out of your scope. Yeah. And so, that's, that's, yeah, well, knowing our limitations is really, yeah. 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 And, and, and Kirsten going, kind of building on that, how does, how would somebody know that they are maybe carrying trauma in the body? Well, lots of different um, things will come up in different ways for people. Um, what I see a lot because of the kind of work that I do is a lot of people who have, um, maybe they've had an injury or they've had some other sort of traumatic experience that is really limiting them from being able to move better in their lives, you know, being able to do the activities that they like and enjoy. Maybe their activities of daily living, like they can't garden anymore. Um um, they have difficulty turning their head and looking in the back seat or reaching for things like all kinds of different, like mechanical everyday activities that then suddenly are impacting on their day-to-day life because of, because of the trauma. And I'll often see it's, you know, sometimes people will try to go to do self-directed exercise, like running or cycling, and they have a really difficult time gauging, uh, when things are too difficult for them or a really mm-hmm. difficult time connecting to themselves. Um, really difficult, like sensory information. They're they're losing some sensory information in their own body. They're very tense. Um, there, there's, yeah, or they just keep getting injured. Like that's a really common one too. Like right. they'll just keep trying to do things and they keep injuring themselves. I'm like, what's that about? You know, is it is it that they're you know they're broken? They're not strong enough, or is it like they're really just so disconnected from themselves or what's happening that they just keep you know um, overcooking themselves, going doing too much? Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I know that one with a lot of people. With yeah. a lot of people. And it's, it's just, it's again, it's what I just said, you know, when you said about referring out, you know, uh, of knowing your limitations is, is that they don't know what their limitation is. They're still, you know, they're 45 years old, but they're still wanting to ride the bike like they're 15 or 16 and totally, with a bad totally. knee, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And they can't figure out why their knee keeps blowing out or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and it can also be things like, in other ways, you know, that maybe not are related are not related to movement, but might be in their daily lives. Like they have difficulty, let's say their maybe their daughter is in dance and they had a very traumatic experience themselves uh, when they were in dance when they were younger. And so going to their daughter's recitals is very traumatic for them. You know, it brings up a lot of old stuff. So a lot of the time you'll it's akin to kind of um PTSD, it brings up symptoms of people where they're overreactive to, to certain elements or, um, um, yeah, things where they're triggered, you know, triggered is a word that's used a lot, um, too, right. in our, in our work, things that. Well, maybe what we need to use, need to do is uh, define trauma. Yeah. Like, uh, like well, does that mean yeah. I had a really bad car accident? Trauma really is anything that. And I really liked this description from Jane, so my one of my teachers. Um, really, trauma is anything that someone has experienced that is traumatic for them. And really, that person decides whether something was traumatic for them or not. Because one person can be mm-hmm. in a car accident and it doesn't affect them at all. And another person can be in a car accident and it, it was very traumatic for them, you know, for a whole slew of reasons. So yes. it's very individual um, and it can be, you know, and, and again, I think it's any event that exceeds our ability to cope. You know, right. we we don't have coping mechanisms for what has just ha- has just happened to us or what we've just experienced, and so our nervous system goes into you know survival mode and maybe gets stuck there. You know, we don't know sometimes yeah. that happens. Well, and I think well, that coping is often also this sense of what does that mean? Because cope mm-hmm. is often we manage it rather yeah. than go into a sense of you know resilience or expansion or integration. Or, but it, it takes it takes going back to what you were saying, connecting to the body, mm-hmm. to be able to feel the body instead of thinking that, you know, I'm going to manage this trauma. It's how mm-hmm. do I allow it to be here so that it can move through? At least that's mm-hmm. what I find also in, in seeing people who have gone through any kind of perception of trauma, whatever that is for them. We also yes, have absolutely. a lot more than like one event. I mean, it's like yes. yeah. cumulative in a whole bunch of totally different true. areas growing up. You know, if, yeah. if we don't have an opportunity to be able to process it or, or come to terms with it, it's like, you know, I, I would see it as being, you know, when something like getting a diagnosis, you know, that's really terrible or your mom mm-hmm. dies or, mm-hmm. you know, just things that's just like, that's not supposed to happen today. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that you, you kind of lose your breath in a way, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. a part of you freezes. Mm-hmm. And it's like this little piece of ice. It's sort of in in now your body, and it's like you're always working around it somehow. You have no idea you're doing this. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what's so amazing about human beings. Yeah, but they it's may so not call it resilience, but it's just yeah. our ability to just keep going and adapting blindly. Yeah. You know, yeah. what makes us so amazing. I mean, I've been in this business for years, and I just am fascinated by the human mind. Mm-hmm. That's what keeps me going. It's a human mm-hmm. mind. It's like, mm-hmm. you didn't really think that up, did you? <laughs> it just blows me away sometimes. You know? I, I so, find it really fascinating, too, um, looking at people who have had events, like traumatic events where they've dissociated. 
And that's challenging to work with because consciously they don't remember what's happened to them, but unconsciously their body remembers, you know, the body keeps score, that book that's very well known by Bethel Vanderhoek. And uh, that comes up a lot for people suddenly like we'll be doing movements or try to restore things where um, things come up, things come up and the body remembers, even though consciously you don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah, sexual, sexual and physical violence is is probably exactly. the biggest ones on those ones. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, especially for dissociation. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's very very common uh, yeah. for for women. A little bit uh, for men, but especially for women. Um, yeah, sometimes car accidents too, especially if you see it's com- it, it coming. I've had some clients there where they've yeah. been on the uh, the highway and they see something and they can't get out of the way. They just have to wait for it, like. Sometimes they'll dissociate and, you know, wait for impact, you know, and, and that's... Because you go into slow happen. motion. I've been there on the 401. Uh, you, it's yeah. like the whole accident happened in slow motion. And I'm like, yeah. what's going on here? You yeah. know? And sometimes yeah. well, people and will I wasn't report, even driving. Like, they, yeah. Sometimes people will report, too, that they, like, have left their body and, like, saw what was happening. You know, it wasn't like a death experience. It was just well, like they just dissociated. They out of the well, situation. I, yeah, and I find mm. that really fascinating if because we, you know, have a very conventional view of that and we, mm-hmm. we you know, the conventional model wants to label it as, you know, this is what's happening. But I think there are other ways to see it that, you know, if this was a protective mechanism that was needed, but it's it's not necessarily to to become uh, decompartmentalized, but basically uh-huh. to be in compartments, but but rather to to have a buffer. I feel mm-hmm. like it's almost like an energetic buffer when there's that kind of thing happening that the soul mm-hmm. can't handle it. The soul has mm-hmm. to has to protect and realize that whatever's happening in the body is not the identity of the self. Totally. So I think those layers are also um, there. I dissociated those. Yeah. I dissociated in those instances so that nobody hears me screaming like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> What is wrong with little girls, Gord? There's nothing. Little girl, yeah. little boys scream too. I little can't. boys don't scream like little girls, though, and I would be That's, screaming like a little girl. I think that, <laughs> that why accident. is that a bad thing? I, it's yeah. not I Because I just don't want people to hear me. I like my, my deeper voice. Well, I don't. <laughs> we can go work on that in the octaves above. So I know Gord was going to ask you this, but how did you get involved with this, your background, Kirsten? Um, so I, uh, so it's interesting what, um, Gordon Shrewsbane said that I'm a movement therapist and I just want to kind of be very clear with people that there's dance movement therapy, which is like psychotherapists and they kind of will do dance as a part of connecting to, you know, maybe traumatic memories and that sort of thing. But I do movement therapy and movement therapy is more, um, I am using, uh, different movement modalities that I kind of have in my toolbox to work with someone to get them more mobile, maybe to reduce pain, but usually to work within a framework of their history, um, their health history that may have pathologies or accidents or traumatic events that keep them from, um, moving or functioning the way they they want, which is causing pain, or again, they're not able to do things in their everyday life that they want to do. Uh, and that was me hundred percent. When I was in my twenties, I had a really bad accident. I had, I was hit by a cab driver as a, as a pedestrian and broke my coccyx and I was very active and I, um, had a really difficult time with recovery and I, and I couldn't kind of figure out what was going on. I physically healed, but I was still having a lot of pain for seemingly no reason. So, um, and I, at the time I worked at a, an extended healthcare clinic and I was working with all the practitioners there and a lot of people had difficulty, um, 
there was like an element of I was holding on to something or I was tense in ways that just weren't being resolved. And we needed to kind of dig deeper about what was going on for me. Um, and so I started kind of doing a bit more re- research into trauma and, um, you know, cause I had experienced something like that was definitely traumatic. And I was also in a really abusive relationship at the time. And so it was like kind of multiple mm. traumatic things happening at once that was really impacting my ability to heal and to feel good in my body. So, or to have a life. Yeah. (laughs) You know, your quality of life gets seriously interrupted in all those things. Yeah, totally. Definitely. Wow. So, so then, then, you know, where did you go and learn the movement and, and, so yeah, um, I see you so do I Pilates. Did. I love Pilates. I think that's oh, the thank best you. thing. Best thing since sliced bread. I love it. I I go oh, to a studio just great. out of the street here. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, so I did Pilates and we, I did Pilates for a few reasons, but um, one of the reasons is because it's, it's a very kind of therapeutic practice as it is. Uh, you can really meet people where there are with, with that and help them to connect to themselves in all kinds of different ways that are um, more gentle or more advanced, depending on where they, where they are. And the equipment's pretty phenomenal. So I did that. Yeah. And then from there, like, I'm a real education nerd and junkie. Like, anytime I didn't know the answer to something or something was coming up for a client that I just couldn't figure out, then I would go and do a course like the Movement for Trauma with Jane Clapp or I'd read okay. a book, you know. Yeah, exactly. Hang on to that. We'll bring you back to Pilates in a minute. We have to take a break here. So, okay. Sounds good. Okay. Because um, I could talk about Pilates all night. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, uh, we're going to take a break here. We'll be back on the other side of these commercials in about two minutes. Okay. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, and welcome back. You're listening to Things Worth Considering. Um, and I just want to remind you that uh, we are live and our phone lines are open. 
if you want to give us a call. We're more than happy to uh, talk to you. If you would like to um, ask um, uh, Kirsten any questions, please do. Uh, number is one 346 9141. It's toll free. Won't cost you a cent other than the fact you might get some free advice. 1 346 9141. So we're talking about Pilates. Uh, yeah. Pilates is actually really amazing for injuries um, yes. because, you know, their equipment is just so unusual. Um, huh. and, you know, um, you know, the. Uh, I can't even, the Cadillac is the one I used to <clears throat> play on the most, but, yeah. um, you know, you, you have to be able to like go upside down and everything on that one. Um, so I was yeah. somewhat advanced <laughs> on <laughs> it. They were trying to train me as a teacher, actually. Good for uh, you. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah. They're trying to train mm. me as a teacher. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, I can see that as being, being really big. Um, so given these tools that you work with, like, you know, Pilates yeah. and you said yoga and stuff. Um, yeah. How long does it take, do you think, for people to make a change? You know, it really depends on the person. And one of the yeah. things that we kind of start off with is really getting, like, doing a good assessment to get a sense of, like, where are they at in their life and how how ready are they for change on, like, uh-huh. in terms of the biopsychosocial model. Like, there's there's so <laughs> yeah, much yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, exactly. So, um <laughs> It, it depends on the person. And, and one thing that we do, which I think a lot of practitioners do, a lot of manual therapists do as well, is we try to, like, let's say someone came in and they, it, they were stuck in traffic and they are super stressed when they arrive. Like, we don't start our session there. We have to get someone into kind of, you know, what's called a window of tolerance. Uh, mm-hmm. It's kind of one of our terminologies, you know, for assessing where someone's at nervous system wise um, and getting them into a window of tolerance so that they're focused and they're prepared to work and so that they can receive new information and they can listen and concentrate all those things. And if we can get someone to that place, then we can have a really successful session. Um, and it and it depends on, you know, kind of the severity of the physical injuries that that, that person has also um, undergone and are they co-caring with other practitioners, but like sometimes with people, it's one session. I'm not kidding. And that's so, it seems so silly, but a, a really common thing that I find really? a lot of people do physically when they've had a trauma that re- results in a lot of low back pain or SI joint pain is they get very tense in pelvic floor. And so if I can just kind of help them connect to their pelvic floor muscles uh, through movement and some massage techniques using props and that sort of thing, um, then they can start to understand where they're holding tension in their body. And if they can start to be a little bit more flexible and have some more uh, less rigidity in pelvic floor and in pelvis, it often really sorts out a lot of low back pain and SI joint pain. Um, and so people who are sometimes have been really high level movers and are, do have a strong connection to themselves, athletes, um, they can sometimes like sort things out in like one to two sessions just because they're so, they're so in tune with themselves already. So I find that the more unconscious someone is and the more disconnected someone is from themselves, the longer it takes. But, um, so what are you doing an hour after this? What are you doing after this? (laughs) (laughs) We can have an online session where we do virtual. Well, you're doing virtual, right? Kirsten, I mean, you know, changing the subject, but you, you do, you are offering virtual Mm -hmm. sessions for people. You're doing virtual. Right. That's a little harder with movement, huh? 
It is. There are some things like with scoliosis, like that's that's not a trauma, mm. but it's something that we do work on. It traumatizes and when you. I can't see someone in, it, well, it can be, you know, especially if someone's had like trauma, traumatic surgeries related to that, like Harrington rods that maybe have gone wrong, that sort of thing. How about people who might have uh, humiliated them? Like that's that a too. Like yes, yeah. it, that's a horrible trauma like, to be that bullied plays into it. Definitely. Yeah, and they might, you know, um, not dissociate, but kind of like not want to see themselves in a mirror sometimes like sure. they like if they're disfigured maybe from the scoliosis like that actually adds and that's one of the things we have in our studio as a trauma-informed studio we try to create a space that's as, uh, as safe as possible for clients we can't say it's a safe space because people kind of determine what safety is for them but we try to make things as you know neutral and um, safe feeling as possible and one of the things we have for our mirrors is curtains that will close. So if someone is feeling mm. like, you know, maybe mm. they have body dysmorphia or um, they've had a, a motor vehicle collision where their vision has been affected or they've had a hit head injury where their vision is affected or they're disfigured and they don't want to see themselves and they can close the yeah. curtains. And that, that's, that's that. I think it makes that's it so, much so fantastic. That's so fantastic and so important yeah. because a lot of the studio work too you do is one-on-one, but you do yeah. some group things, but typically one-on-one, correct? Well, in, in our, our, our large classroom, um, uh, Alexia, is uh, in 302, we have a whole wall of mirror. And mm. there, there are, there are uh, curtains that went up, but I took them all down to wash them, and I can't get them back up. Uh, but there, oh, is no. a, there is a whole wall that covers <laughs> over. Because I have a couple of teachers that just can't stand teaching with mirrors there. Right. And I'm yeah. like, I think you really need to work that through. <laughs> well, but yeah, there's some things that sometimes it's a visual thing. Like I, I had a client who had a really serious concussion and she just couldn't handle like her, her brain couldn't compute things in mirrored. And so these, it was really these are teachers that haven't got brain injuries. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> or, or they're, just like... <laughs> they're just not they just have some other injuries. Um, okay. They don't yeah. want to look at themselves in the mirror. You know, right. it's really funny. Yeah, well, sometimes that's body dysmorphia too. You know, it's, absolutely. Want to? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 so yeah. distracting when you you know have, see yourself in a mirror. I think that it can mm-hmm. be when you're trying to focus on something else and and it with. The I client, always stop and I, check my hair. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, 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 it is, it's all of that is distraction, right? And I think yeah. that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the idea of, of someone feeling very vulnerable, because mm-hmm. coming in after any kind of a trauma, I think the vulnerability, and I, I, for me, it's the sense of, you know, people being able to work with you to trust their bodies again, to yeah, trust absolutely. themselves, right? Because that's yeah. so massive about anything in life. But yeah. that mm-hmm. trust mm-hmm. in the body is huge. Mm-hmm. Or what people are saying about it, if it's like, you know, um, you know, I had a I had a serious uh, freezing accident with my feet um, when I was in my teens, so early, very early teens, and I ended up having to have two toes removed um, wow. because it was so bad. And uh, yeah. the, it, you know, uh, for years and years and years and years and years, I would be like, I, I can't take my shoes off. Because everybody would point and go, oh, my God, you only have four toes on each foot. Um, you know, and now, I mean, I have all kinds of comebacks on it. But it took me, it yeah. took me a couple of years to figure them out because I was really yeah. – I remember coming back and I was actually performing. Um, and it was a barefoot. And I was like mm. – and she was like, no, you're not doing it in barefoot. You're going to do it in shoes. But then it would be like, well, that will make me stand out even more. You uh-huh. know, uh, kind of thing. But yeah. it was like, you know, what our brains can do um, mm-hmm. is just crazy. People people never even notice half the time. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know, except mm-hmm. children. I love children. 
Oh, wow. oh me too. One, two, three, They're four. so innocent. One, two, yeah, three. totally. And they're counting and everything. They go, you only have Aww. four toes. And I'm going, yeah, you <laughs> <laughs> yeah, And look at me. I'm still standing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Be careful. I can yeah. fall over pretty easily in the wind. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so Pilates must have been very helpful for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. But it was really, it was really a, a, you know, an important personal lesson to know mm-hmm. how even the smallest of things can be so blown out of proportion in our minds. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, mean, I figured nobody would yeah. even hate me, you know, let alone marry me. You know, it was crazy. Well, yeah. And and people have that with all kinds of different, you know, injuries, you know, facial injuries as well. Or if they lose a tooth and they kind of like speak with a bit of a crooked smile so that yeah. their smile doesn't <laughs> People who laugh with their hands over their, their mouth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that. And um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we, we kind of, we find workarounds and we find unconscious workarounds a lot. And that's that's kind of one of my favorite things to kind of unwind with people and kind of get them aware of and gentle and like, not, not like, Oh, look at that. Look what you're doing. But more, you know, <laughs> kind of figuring out with someone like, Oh, neat. So when you rotate in this direction, you, you do this instead. What do you think that's, you know, related to and have a dialogue with them about it. So we can kind of uncover things or, yeah. And, and yeah. do you find that sometimes people are frustrated with, because I think, you know, what I've seen also in practice is that, and even in my own life, if there's been an injury and it's the frustration of not being able to move the way I could have, mm. or, and I, I imagine totally. that would happen with some of your clients where it's Absolutely. really a very different way to relate to themselves. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it takes, you know, Sometimes it takes a lot of um, interventions with someone because their negative self-talk will pop up, you know, there and uh, you'll, you'll hear them in subtle ways, kind of, um, and sometimes not so subtle ways, like, you know, really dissing themselves or like putting themselves down in certain ways or like, why can't I do this anymore? You can really see the frustration come up. And I think that's one of the reasons we work one-on-one with people in our studio and it's not like it's a traditional studio where there's lots of equipment and it's all open concept. Mm. Those things don't come up in open concept spaces. Those come things come up when people feel safer in private spaces right. where they can actually ask those questions. And then we can kind of, you know, it, then we get start getting into belief systems, you know, like, sure. And what does this mean for you if you can't do this anymore? You know, right. like if you can't do the sport, if you can't do this activity anymore, what, and what else, what can you do instead? And giving them hope is, is really important and, and, and showing them things that they can still do is really important. And then retreating um, choice. They start to make sense to themselves. Yeah. When they start to make sense to themselves and they get that education, then things soften a little bit and the judgment over themselves softens a little bit, you know, um, when people understand why their bodies are performing in certain ways and we can kind of come to some sort of understanding as to why that could be happening or, um, why the, what the unconscious things are that happen in someone's bodies when they go through something um, and they can start to understand why they freeze or why they're tensing in certain ways. And it's very powerful work mm-hmm. to then become conscious of those things and then create those changes. A lot of those things, you know, we can't change things unless we become conscious of them, like with so many things. Oh, so, so Yeah, the awareness. And, and actually what's really interesting to me about your work is that it's more of, it's not coming from the thinking mind. It's mm-hmm. you're sort of bringing people into feeling it more around, mm-hmm. oh, this is what it feels like if I'm in freeze mode or this is what happens mm-hmm. to my shoulders when I'm, you know, t- 
tense or whatever it is. And and I think mm-hmm. that healing is part of, and it's such a, a great thing because I think we need more of this uh, work where we're bringing in the body with an awareness without the talk and the story, right? Without the words, Huge. so many words. Huge. And, and yeah. just like, just go into the movement. That's why, have, you know, I, I like things like five rhythms, the, the five mm-hmm. rhythms dance, anything that's movement that is expressive. But with, yeah. with this, you're, you're working specifically to help people come back from an injury or just yeah. even work with, um, you know, I guess getting stronger as well. Overall. Yeah. And sometimes it's things like, like I'll work with some people who are really strong athletes who are really strong or people who are real weekend warriors, real type a, and you know, maybe they have really high stress jobs and that sort of thing. And a lot of the things that we end up having to work on together is de-armoring, getting them to soften, mm-hmm. getting them to surrender getting them to drop the walls and we'll do basic things like, you know, laying over a large stability ball and breathing or doing like slow movements so that they're not working at 110% all the time, getting a sense of how heavy their limbs are and how much effort they actually need to put into things because then, and like you do so much work with people with burnout, Alexia, you know, that's such a big thing for people with burnout. They're just pushing, pushing, pushing and, Mm -hmm. Sometimes those signals that are coming up for those clients, those, um, you know, yellow lights and red lights that are coming up of, of pain or sleep disturbances or other things that are kind of alarm bells going off for them to slow down or stop are being missed because they're just pushing. Yeah. So being able to ha- start listening to themselves and, and connect to their bodies in ways they're not punishing and be okay with that, you know? Um, and again, belief systems, it comes back to belief systems a lot of the time for people like, and sometimes clients are really wanting to be intellectual about things and really talk about things. And I'm totally game for doing that too, but we will always bring it back to the body, you know, like, and what does this, what does this mean for how you're feeling right now? And um, yeah. And it's, and then that helps me too, because then we can kind of figure out like moves they might like moves that they won't like by having those discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it gives me ideas of different ways in to explore movement with them that are, that might be fun. Sometimes I get people coming to me who are like, I just hate working out. I hate working out. I hate connecting to myself. I hate connecting to my body. I just yeah. want to put on earphones or read the news while I do my elliptical. I don't want to connect. You know, and then they've got like a chronic knee injury or chronic foot injury. And you're just like, yeah. I'm sorry to say, but you need to connect to yourself. <laughs> so how are we going to do that in a way that is like not annoying for you? <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> And because uh, otherwise you're going to keep hurting your knee or your foot or whatever is coming up for them, you know, and it's like um, it's right in front of them. You, know? you just have to kind of make it accessible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you do you find that um, um, in terms of like, you know, people knowing whether or not they have, you know, trauma stored, which I think most people do. Um, yeah. <clears throat> to some degree um, that that they get repetitive injuries. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Because sometimes, like, you know, I brought up that term armoring and kind of what armoring yeah. means is that we get very tense in our bodies in certain ways. Sometimes that can be from a freeze response. Sometimes that can be leftovers from, you know, I broke my ankle uh, when I was in my 20s. And after they took the cast off, I was so worried about weight bearing on my ankle, even though that's exactly what my ankle needed. I was so worried about doing that. And I really had to get over it. And, and, um, you know, do my rehab exercises and kind of learn to tolerate movement through that. Um, 
that again, but um, uh, that is that is something that we often have to deal do with our clients is just help them to you know reacclimatize to like movement that is difficult for them to connect to. Um, well, yeah, and it seems like some of that comes in from again what you're saying with the subconscious. Is that yeah. even though your 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 you know your cast was off and let's say your ankle is totally fine, we can the the mind or the con the subconscious will sort of believe that it's weak, or, or totally. and, then, and then just go into that place of compensating out of fear, yeah. right? It's it's yeah. Ford's talked a lot about fear and how you know operating from fear is so pervasive, and I think in the body when people have that sense of trauma, it just can also carry forward right into into mm-hmm. how they they're perfectly fine but they're afraid of it they're afraid yeah. that they're not yeah i think what, afraid what to I, move in certain ways is common yeah 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 afraid to move in certain ways because it yeah. always gets the same result their back goes click or yeah their knee goes or their hip goes or something it's the repetitive injuries that i was really curious about in terms of oh yeah sorry, the energy yeah. that's stored there you know that's that frozen uh-huh. that I, I i think about uh-huh. that if uh if someone shows up and they're like, I don't know what the problem is, but I just keep, you know, I just keep, you know, twisting my ankle, you know, or, uh-huh. or whatever, and I just get it better, and the next thing I know, I've done it again. Is yeah, yeah. Is that what you're going to go to? Are you going to you're going to like go? Yeah. We really got a trauma in there. To say nothing um, of the trauma of, of smashing up the ankle every time. <laughs> sometimes you know, well, it's interesting with something like an ankle. You know, maybe maybe the it's higher up in the hip maybe someone is you know really being tense in their pelvis and pelvic floor and in their hip and that is creating rigidity that is you know affecting down the chain or up the chain or up the chain they've got a headache and it's actually related to their ankle yeah 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 (laughs) yeah and it's really unfortunate that you know to not know how how your energy is floating up and down you know or not Uh floating up and down you know, yeah. Uh, we're at a point where we need to take a break. We just kind of zoomed into that one quite nicely. Um, no pun intended about Zoom, but um, <laughs> we need to go to a commercial. So we will be back. You're listening to Things Worth Considering, and hopefully we're giving you something to consider, and we'd love for you to consider giving us a call. We'll be right back. <laughs> Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories, it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll-free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. 
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, I'm here uh, with uh, Alexia, of course, always with me, and uh, Kirsten Lyon, um, who is a movement specialist, and we're talking about that. I'd like you to uh, consider uh, maybe calling in if you have some questions. We're here, 1-888-346-9141, and that's toll-free. Um, so tell me, uh, Kirsten, what, what's, what would the average person who shows up at, for movement therapy be like? Are they like dragging themselves like they roll into your <laughs> studio? Or, like <laughs> it depends. We don't um, we don't get a ton of really acute cases, so we will often do consults with people for, before they come in, free consults mm. over the phone, just to kind of talk about where they're at and why they want to see us, and we kind of will pre-screen to make sure that we're a good fit to work together before they bother coming in. Um, we, we co-care with a lot of other people. And if we think that they're like, if they're fresh out of surgery or fresh out of like an injury, like tearing an ACL or something, we're probably not their like first stop. And so we'll make right. some suggestions of where else to go. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> tell you where to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're where else they can, you know, start the journey instead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it depends, like we get, we work with all kinds of different cases and clients. Um, and we work with people with neurological conditions like MS, Parkinson's, stroke mm. and brain injuries. And we'll work with people oh, wow. like okay. we do a lot of pre and postnatal as well, like a ton, because there's just not a lot of dedicated one-on-one, um, pre and postnatal work that's done in the city. That's like movement only, you know, which is often yeah. so much of what, what the, those clients need. They just need load, movement, mobility that, that is specific to their body and their needs. Um, and then motor vehicle clients, um, you know, people who have kind of been cleared to exercise again after a surgery or something like that or an injury. Um, we get spinal cord clients as well. So it's a, it's a wide range, which is really um, exciting for us. And, and there, I have a team of five other movement professionals and we all kind of focus on different things. So um, Gabe specializes in working with older adults, 55 plus. Um, Dorothy specializes in working with dancers and athletes. I am really the trauma kind of person. So, so if someone really needs a lot of TLC and uh, it needs someone to really be empathetic and compassionate, that's usually me. And then Emily works with a lot of uh, neurological conditions and Kate is uh, pre and postnatal. So we all really kind of like focus on our niches so we can be you know, exceptional at what we each specialize in. But um trying to keep growing our team to keep being able to service different populations because it's definitely something it's like, we're very specialized trainers who know how to work with people with complex health histories and situations going on. And um, it requires like continuous education on our part and knowing again, like when something is something we can work with and when we should really bring in other practitioners to work as well. So. How much do you use your intuition? Long answer. We use our intuition for yeah. sure. We definitely do. Um, and sometimes it feels very intuitive. And pra- yeah. And us as practitioners too, will sometimes be like, you know what? Like, I don't think that I'm a good fit for this person. And I think Emily should work with them instead or, 
or I've got my own stuff going on that this person kind of triggers that I just don't want to, I don't think, okay. know, you know? Yeah. Or, or where they're telling you this story and you're just like, and that's what their belief is. And you're like, okay, yeah. uh, but your yeah. gut's going, it is so not that, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. something else over here. That's, that's what I really, you know, I'm very aware of using. Uh, a lot of what I'm working with people therapeutically is is yeah. waiting for that intuition to kick in, and it can be very helpful. Totally. It can save people a lot of money too. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, and and, yeah. and very often, like what I see in practice too is that very, people often know what to do in terms of oh, I'll, I need to exercise more or. You know, mm-hmm. I need to do this more. But the if they have an injury, or like Gord was saying earlier, when someone is exercising at you know the age of sixty, and they're they want to be back when they were thirty-five mm-hmm. or twenty-five, yeah. and so then they don't have a sense of where to start because I know mm-hmm. that when I've gone to gyms and you know I go to gyms and and the thing is they're typically a lot of people are really lost in a gym. It's and, totally. and you see the hard, you know, the hard whatever workouts. It going takes on, all then, my strength <laughs> to not say anything. I have to shut yeah. my mouth and. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet, I bet. And then, but it's it's and it's not too too um because there's some wonderful personal trainers and things like that out there. Oh, totally, but, absolutely. Yes. But, but yeah. this is different, and it and it, I think yeah. that that aspect of of one on one, but also even if it was a small group, but it but it's really being able to go back to the connection piece. Because yeah, yeah. going into robotic mode at the gym and just mm-hmm. on these big machines Banging that, it out, you know, yeah. typically are, like whenever I'm on the elliptical, I'm yeah. like, <laughs> exactly. When, if I go on the yeah. elliptical, it's too, the arms are too big for me. Like it's too wide. Yeah, so I feel like it, my it actually is. Yeah, it's not the right apart. And, mm-hmm. and, and so it doesn't, it's not a good fit in my body. I can no. do it, yeah. but it's not comfortable. Yeah. So if someone who yeah. never goes to a gym and then where do they go? How do they get yeah. this? tenderness and this compassion around this is yeah. how you move in your body like this is how so you and, can feel comfortable yeah mm-hmm. and we also know from doing assessments with people kind of what people the kinds of movements that they like to do one of the questions we ask in their assessments is like what kind of movement did you do as a kid what kind of movement do you find enjoyable or fun and then we'll will you will do that kind of movement you know we want to really create positive movement experiences for people positive movement experiences for people is really key especially when people have had a lot of negative movement experiences, you know, like, which is, yeah, like going to the gym when they're like, I just really don't want to go and slogging it out. You know, I want to make that whole process of movement exciting to connect to yourself and not a chore, you know. Or going to the gym when they were in school was so humiliating for them, or it was just, you know, they just hated doing it, you know. Yeah. There there were were kids like that, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That is so great. That's a trauma. Yeah. And, and also like something that I try to do as a movement professional is like, be very clear about, we have some group classes and I think a lot of group classes are now on this, um, on this track of being like, our group classes are for everyone. I think that's really awesome. Except that for a lot of people who have been through traumas or have had like, you know, complex health histories, very often the classes are not for everyone, you know? So be very clear about like, this is what we do in this class. This is who this class is for. So that, again, someone has a positive movement experience. They don't go in and they are confronted with all these things they can't do and uh, or things are too hard or things that can cause them pain. It's like that's not a positive movement experience. So, like, no. we can give them suggestions <laughs> as to things they can try, like archery or, you know, um, walking, but in certain areas, you know, that kind of thing. 
I, I actually well, well people when you talk about exercise I mean uh, you know for the, for the longest time when I worked with anyone with depression I you know uh-huh. part of the criterion was you needed to walk you know, let's put it yeah. this way I would say you need to get some sort of an exercise and yeah. almost invariably the comeback was the money that I'm paying you how am I supposed to pay to go to a gym hmm. and uh-huh. like I didn't say anything about a gym or new yeah. running shoes, you know, or I mean, yeah. you know, it was like this immediate ability to come up with all these objections. Uh, yeah. But it was like, you know what? Go grab somebody's dog and walk it around the block. That's all mm-hmm. you need to do, you know? And yeah. then that'll build on itself, you know, and it just makes such a huge yeah. difference in, the, in you know, uh, someone's mood. So, but, but our objection to doing that uh, when we're already in that space is, is huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's a good example, too, of like recommending someone, you know, maybe take out a neighbor's dog or some people will volunteer at Humane Society and they will walk dogs. And it, now you're doing it for someone else other than yourself. So if that's a barrier for you, you know, that you have the dogs are waiting for you, like, fine, whatever works. Whatever you know? works, or you really just love dogs. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. And dogs are also very therapeutic. You get to go and like hang out with whatever, whatever. Yeah, or the people, little old lady in the wheelchair down at the old folks' home, you know, or, or whatever, yeah. you know, like whatever. So for somebody else. Who cares? Codependency is good yeah. sometimes. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it'll make you healthy, do it, you know. Um, yeah. Again, that would just become one, again, I mean, I'm joking, but uh, that would be another one of those objections. That would, oh, well, yeah. uh, you know, I'm just, I'm in treatment for my codependency and I can't be doing that. <laughs> Yeah, you sure, can. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's you can. The, the, the wonderful thing is, there's really almost there's always a solution. Like we just have so many solutions for people. Like, okay, I've tried. I really like opposite, but I can't find a class that I like. It's like, oh, I know somebody. We always know somebody <laughs> because we're, we're in the movement world. Like we know, right. okay, like Everybody. or like I really want. I want to like yoga, but I tried all these classes, and it's like, oh, I know someone who you might want to try. It's kind of more like this, you know. Like we will make those connections for people because that's. Again, like we want to help to make people autonomous and like have positive movement experiences and movement is medicine in so many ways. That's another it's, catchphrase that's being thrown around a lot, but it's true. It helps with sleep, so digestion, mood, like um, cardiac, respiratory, like so well, many things. And it must yep. be really heightened that, you know, with this, with the pandemic and so many people like I'm seeing in practice and even in my own body is that, you know, sitting in front of the computer and not put down you know, the potato chips. <laughs> I don't. I have. The, I don't have them in the house. Um, okay. <laughs> but but basically, you know, sitting in front of the computer and then uh, the stiffness and the restrictiveness that's that's mm-hmm. physical but also psychological because people are not used to being sitting, you know, at, at, for these hours in mm-hmm. in front of the computer, not moving. And mm-hmm. again, that must be something that's coming up around, you know, how to take breaks that are movement breaks that are, but not things that are going to hurt them, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's like a setup uh, for a work I, injury. I, like, like not to well, move, yeah, and, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and we see that in people all the time. We get lots of repetitive strain people who have had shoulder and elbow and wrist and hand stuff um, from their from their jobs. Doing Like uh, I have a client who does a lot of, um, CAD work you know he's doing a lot of yes. design yeah. and it's very focused and, and intense and he'll get into something and he's like it's four hours later and his hand is cramping up you know and it's like <laughs> okay we are disconnected we need to kind of figure out a little movement break for you but also a lot of people who are in condos and things over COVID were having a lot of trouble getting in and out of their buildings 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Doing a lot of privates with people who were really feeling homebound. And so we were right. doing things to work within their kind of um, nervous system where they were feeling very anxious that day. Let's do some more higher interval stuff if they could handle that to help burn off some of those stress hormones and make movement mm-hmm. really satisfying for them so they could focus again. Right. You know, it's, that's, that's a really important part of assessing where someone's at and choosing movements that are accessible for them and are enjoyable for them. Um, you know, someone who's really type A may not want to do a lot of like restorative yoga that may not be like yeah, their way exactly. in, you know, it depends right. where they're at. Like In 3,600 well. words or less, yeah. um, why, why, what would make me go to Toronto Movement therapy uh-huh. versus therapy. Yes. physiotherapy versus getting a personal trainer? Oh gosh, that's a tricky one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, you know, <laughs> I gotta say, I actually will co-care often with uh, with personal trainers and with um, uh, physiotherapists, but we kind of do different things, but within the same you know biological bubble of the biopsychosocial. Yeah, I think yeah. more what our role is is definitely um, the the empathy and the compassion. And being trauma informed, I think there's a lot of physiotherapists who are trauma informed, and some who could could use a little bit of um, trauma informed education. <laughs> yeah, some training. I just how to work with people who are Is that real medical regulated, model? and same thing for personal trainers. Um, uh, and. You know, I think physiotherapists are really wonderful with anybody, anytime something acute is going on, like we're really not appropriate at that time, neither are personal trainers. Like mm. if you have like something that's like, just happened or a surgery or whatever, like 1000% go to um, your physiotherapist. Um, and sometimes physiotherapists have so many tools in their toolbox that movement is not one that they're getting enough time to do with people. Right. And that's right. when we poke. Yeah, that's true. Them. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Like they're like, there's so many, there's a lot of assessments. There's a lot of intake, you know, there's or machines, machine work, like ultrasound or something. Manual, yeah. yeah. Other manual yeah. stuff. And then at the end, it's like two minutes of, do this and this, and right. someone okay. might need more than that. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Great answer. Thank you. It is, it is a great answer, and I really and I really get the difference <laughs> uh, from a personal perspective. Uh, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. Um, Thanks for having that me. That was definitely informative. Um, now, next week, we just happen to have this uh, wonderful gentleman uh, by the name of Philip Shepard, who is going to be uh, talking about the embodied present process, and it's all about embodiment. Uh-huh. Uh, he's dedicated his life to helping people get out of their heads and to embrace and connect to their bodies and body intelligence, uh, the connection that puts you in the present moment, which is an awesome experience to have. Uh, he says the uh, the source of our modern distress is that we have put a tiny fragmented portion of our intelligence in charge of our lives, and that portion of our thinking obsesses all day long over problems it can never solve. Uh, we've placed the ability to reason on a pedestal without appreciating it's severe limitations. Uh, I'm really looking forward to meeting him. Uh, reason offers uh, reason offers to control the world around you, but it can never happen. Uh, nope. Nor can it bring into your life uh, what most deeply blesses you. Uh, you cannot reason your way into a state of balance or into a loving relationship. You cannot reason your way into being present. Next week, Mr. Philip Shepard uh, will be here. Uh, we're going to be interviewing him, and I just want to do a reminder of uh, the Compassion Energy Circle. You can go to info at spiritgrows.ca, leave us a message, we'll get back to you, give you the information. It's Friday nights at seven o'clock. Every single week, we get together and do energy work and heal the planet and heal each other. Uh, It's only 45 minutes. Our planet needs you. 
be in touch. Thanks, Thank Kristen. you so much. Um, the Thank listeners, have a great week. Thanks, everyone. For tuning into Things Worth Considering, please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.